It's the 20th of February, and you are listening to the Reading Through the Bible Together podcast. My name is Blake Farley. This is the podcast. We are journeying through the one-year Bible together and uh, taking our time, about 15-20 minutes a day, to uh, dive into God's Word. We have an Old Testament reading, a New Testament reading, a Psalm, and a Proverb each day. And today, as always, we begin in the Old Testament, and we are in the book of Leviticus chapter 9 verse 7 is where we're starting we'll end in chapter 10 verse 20 as always reading out of the new living translation the NLT if you want to look it up later as a reminder this podcast is unedited so if it's like that didn't sound right it's probably not Uh, I I am just reading it the first time with you uh, and inviting you into my personal reading kind of raw and um, un, I don't want to say unprofessional. I try to be professional, but uh, not, a, not a scripted podcast by any means. So Leviticus chapter 9, verse 7 through chapter 10, verse 20. Then Moses said to Aaron, Come to the altar and sacrifice your sin offering and your burnt offering to purify yourselves and the people. Then present the offerings of the people to purify them, making them right with the Lord, just as he has commanded. As a reminder, we talked about yesterday, the reason the sacrifices were in place was why? To purify the people and make them right with the Lord. Why did Jesus Christ come? Well, he did, ultimately did this. Through his sacrifice, one of the things accomplished on the cross was that he purified those who would trust in him. Uh, that when God looks at us, he no longer sees our righteousness, our filthy rags. He sees the righteousness of Christ, which makes us right with God. We're able to be in his presence. Pretty cool. Moving on, verse 8. So Aaron went to the altar and slaughtered the calf as a sin offering for himself. His sons brought him the blood, and he dipped his finger in it and put on the horns of the altar. He poured out the rest of the blood at the base of the altar. Then he burned on the altar the fat, the kidneys, and the long lobe of the liver from the sin offering, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. The meat and the hide, however, he burned outside the camp. Next, Aaron slaughtered the animal for the burnt offering. His sons brought him the blood, and he splattered it against all sides of the altar, Then they handed him each piece of the burnt offering, including the head, and he burned them on the altar. Then he washed the internal organs and the legs and burned them on the altar, along with the rest of the burnt offering. Next, Aaron presented the offerings of the people. He slaughtered the people's goat and presented it as an offering for their sin, just as he had first done with the offering for his own sin. Then he presented the burnt offering and sacrificed it in the prescribed way. He also presented the grain offering, burned a handful of flour mixture on the altar, in addition to the regular burnt offering for the morning. Then Aaron slaughtered the bull and the ram for, for the people's peace offering. His sons brought him the blood and he splattered it against all sides of the altar. Then he took the fat of the bull and the ram, the fat of the broad tail, and from around the internal organs, along with the kidneys and the long lobes of the livers. He placed these fat portions on top of the breasts of these animals and burned them on the altar. Aaron then lifted up the breasts and the right thighs as a special offering to the Lord, just as Moses had commanded. After that, Aaron raised his hands toward the people and blessed them. Then, after presenting the sin offering, the burnt offering, and the peace offering, he stepped down from the altar. Then Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle, and when they came back out, they blessed the people again. And the glory of the Lord appeared to the whole community. Fire blazed forth from the Lord's presence and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. When the people saw this, they shouted with joy and fell face down on the ground. Moving into chapter 10, verse 1. 
Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, put coals of the fire in their incense burners and sprinkled incense over them. In this way, they disobeyed the Lord by burning before him the wrong kind of fire, different than he had commanded. So fire blazed forth from the Lord's presence and burned them up, and they died there before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord meant when he said, I will display my holiness through those who come near me. I will display my glory before all the people. And Aaron was silent. Then Moses called for Mishael and Elazipheth, Aaron's cousins, the sons of Aaron's uncle, Uzal. He said to them, Come carry, come forward and carry the bodies of your relatives from in front of the sanctuary to a place outside the camp. So they came forward and picked them up by their garments and carried them out of the camp, just as Moses had commanded. Then Moses said to Aaron and his sons, Eliziar and Ithamar, Do not show grief by leaving your hair uncombed or by tearing your clothes. If you do, you will die, and the Lord's anger will strike the whole community of Israel. However, the rest of the Israelites, your relatives, may mourn because of the Lord's fiery destruction of Nadab and Abihu. But you must not leave the entrance of the tabernacle, or you will die, for you have been anointed with the Lord's anointing oil. So they did as Moses commanded. I want to pause here. This is... Um, one of the more difficult stories in scripture as we get into Deuteronomy and some, some other places in scripture, there's just going to be some stories where you're like, ah, I don't like the way that feels. And, uh, this is, this is one of them. Um, but, but I stopped being God's PR agent a long time ago. I, I let, I let his word stand for what it is. And, um, so what's happening here is the priests were, um, in sin. They were not doing what they were supposed to be doing. Uh, and the priest had a very important job of being the conduit between the ordinary common people and the holy God, between sinful people and a holy, perfect, righteous God. And uh, their sin was uh, was so severe that God literally killed them immediately, just dead in the presence of the holy God. And uh, the story is just, it's its sad in a lot of ways because then his his siblings have to come in and carry him out, uh, carry them out, and... and um, they're not even allowed to show grief. It says, don't mourn or you will die also. And it's just like, wow, this is, this is kind of rough. Verse 8, Then the Lord said to Aaron, You and your descendants must never drink wine or any other alcoholic drink before going into the tabernacle, which maybe gives us an insight into what happened. If you do, you will die. This is a permanent law for you, and it must be observed from generation to generation. You must distinguish between what is sacred and what is common between what is ceremonially unclean and what is clean. And you must teach the Israelites all the decrees that the Lord has given them through Moses. And that's really what's going on here. That sacred and common uh, do not coexist by themselves because sin is in the common. And uh, sacred will destroy the common. What makes God wonderful, what makes him beautiful, what makes him God is also what makes him dangerous and to be feared. Uh, just as the sun is hot, and we want the sun to be hot, the S-U-N, because it is what provides life to our world. We also have to respect the sun. You don't go outside without sunglasses and stare at the sun. If you do, you go blind. Nobody's mad at the sun. They say you're a fool for staring at the sun. In the same way, God is holy. He is set apart. He is righteous. He is everything we would want. If he's not these things, he is not God or he is not good. And um, But we have to respect that. So just as you wouldn't go out and, and stare at the sun, you ought not walk into the presence of a holy God with sin in your life. Because... It, it won't work. It, it, it will kill you. The presence of a holy God cannot be in the presence of sin. And that's what happened here. And so God is saying, be careful. This is part of, if you will, the uh, the ticket for having a relationship with uh, a holy God. If, if we want to have a relationship with a holy God, then 
then we have to deal with sin because sin and God do not go together. Verse 12. Then Moses said to Aaron and his remaining sons, just feel the pain in that, his remaining sons, Eliziar and Ithamar, take what is left of the grain offering after a portion has been presented as a special gift to the Lord and eat it beside the altar. Make sure it contains no yeast for it is most holy. You must eat it in a sacred place for it has been given to you and your descendants as your portion of the special gifts presented to the Lord. These are the commands I have been given. But the breast and thigh that were lifted up as a special offering may be eaten in any place that is ceremonially clean. These parts have been given to you and your descendants as your portion of the peace offerings presented by the people of Israel. You must lift up the thigh and breast as a special offering to the Lord along with the fat of the special gifts. These parts will belong to you and your descendants as your permanent right, just as the Lord has commanded Moses then asked them what had happened to the goat of the sin offering. When he discovered it had been burned up, he became very angry with Eliziar and Ithamar, Aaron's remaining sons. Why didn't you eat the sin offering in the sacred area, he demanded. It is a holy offering. The Lord has given it to you to remove the guilt of the community and to purify the people, making them right with the Lord. Since the animal's blood was not brought into the holy place, you should have eaten the meat in the sacred area as I ordered you. So what we have going on here, this is important. Uh, adding a little interjection. Ithamar and Eliziar are um, not doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're not following God's law. Uh, so that they had to go in and offer this offering, and then they were supposed to eat a portion of the offering, but they didn't. They just burned it all up. Moses is mad. He says, why didn't you do this? And then verse 19 and 20 are very interesting. Then Aaron answered Moses, Today my sons presented both their sin offering and their burnt offering to the Lord, and yet this tragedy has happened to me. If I had eaten the people's sin offering on such a tragic day... Would the Lord have been pleased? In other words, we did what you said, but we didn't feel it was right to celebrate or eat because we had lost sons. This terrible tragedy happened to us today. And then look at this, verse 20. And when Moses heard this, he was satisfied. We get this beautiful picture in this chapter of grace and truth. Grace and truth. What's the truth? The truth is God is holy. Sinful people cannot be in the presence of a holy God. Where's the grace? The grace is this God wants relationship with his people and he grieves over their sin and the effects of sin as they grieve. This is ultimately Jesus Christ's mission. He comes preaching grace and truth. Jesus does not lower the law. He ups the law. He comes and he fulfills the law. Truth. And yet there's grace. Jesus dies on our behalf so that we might experience the blessings of God and be able to live out and strive for godliness without the fear of condemnation because he has taken it for us. Grace and truth. Go and sin no more. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Hard story, but when we get to the bottom of it, what do we see? We see God's character, his holiness and his grace, his love and his mercy, his truth and his justice. We see it all. Moving on to the New Testament. Mark chapter 4, verse 26, verses five, chapter 5, verse 20. Mark chapter 4, verse 26, through chapter 5, verse 20. Here we go. Verse 26 of chapter 4. Jesus also said, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground, on the ground, night and day while he's asleep or awake. The seed sprouts and grows. First, a leaf blade pushes through, then the heads of what of wheat are formed, and finally the grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle. For the harvest time has come. Jesus said, How can I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I use to illustrate it? 
It is like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows long branches, and birds can make a nest in its shade. Jesus used many similar stories and illustrations to teach the people as much as they could understand. In fact, in his public ministry, he never taught without using parables. But afterward, when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything to them. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man, they asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Moving into chapter 5, verse 1. So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night, he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him and ran to meet him and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the Spirit, Come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. Then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs, and the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him, but Jesus said, No, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. And that concludes our New Testament reading. Moving into the Proverbs reading for the day, Proverbs chapter 10, verses 6 and 7. Proverbs 10, verse 6. The godly are showered with blessings. The words of the wicked conceal violent intentions. We have happy memories of the godly, but the name of a wicked person rots away. And finally, we will be reading Psalm 37, uh, verses 30 through 40 in a posture of prayer. This is the 37th Psalm, beginning in verse 30. The godly offer good counsel. They teach right from wrong. They have made God's law their own, so they will never slip from his path. Yes, Lord. 
I pray that we would search out um, godly counsel, that we would search out those who are stronger, more mature than us in the faith, and seek what they might have to say about your word. Uh, Lord, we want words uh, that are soaked in your wisdom, because your wisdom leads to life, and the world's wisdom leads to death. Verse 32. The wicked wait in ambush for the godly, looking for an excuse to kill them. But the Lord will not let the wicked succeed, or let the godly be condemned when they are put on trial. O Lord, what joy we must have in knowing that you are the righteous judge. You will not allow anybody to get away with anything. And Lord, that provides me great joy when I think of the wicked in this world. Uh, Lord, but it also strikes me with fear because I know that uh, in myself there's wickedness. And yet, Lord, in that I worship you because of what Christ Jesus has done, coming and taking my sin so that I might be counted righteous and begin to live a life that is truly godly uh, based upon his power of the Holy Spirit and through his grace. Continuing in verse 34. Put your hope in the Lord. Travel steadily along his path. He will honor you by giving you the land. You will see the wicked destroyed. I have seen wicked and ruthless people flourishing like a tree in its native soil. But when I looked again, they were gone. Though I searched for them, I could not find them. Lord, uh, it does appear sometimes that the wicked of this world are winning, that the industries of sex trafficking, the industries of uh, exploiting the poor, the industries of um, pushing forward and racism and bigotry uh, are winning at times. And yet, Lord, I know, I know from the bottom of my heart one day uh, those industries and those people, wicked and ruthless, will be gone and but a faint memory of this world, as your kingdom will rule and reign one day. Verse 37. Look at those who are honest and good, for a wonderful future awaits those who love peace. Yes, Lord, that is my hope. I believe in a future in which you will reign and there will be peace for me and for all who trust in you. Verse 38. But the rebellious will be destroyed. They have no future. Lord, I pray for the rebellious. I pray that they would turn, they would repent from their life, into your life so that they too might experience the grace that I myself have experienced. Verse 39. The Lord rescues the godly. He is their fortress in times of trouble. The Lord helps them, rescuing them from the wicked. He saves them, and they find shelter in him. Yes, Lord, thank you for this. And I pray that today I myself and those listening to my voice who trust in you would find shelter in you, and they would experience that shelter and that peace that only comes through following you. It is in your name I pray, Jesus. Well, thank you for joining me for today's reading. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And I will see you back here tomorrow for another day of reading through the Bible together.